welcome to Soundcheck, the rock and alternative music podcast here at Central Michigan Life. Yeah, it's me, Michael. Andrew's letting me do the intro today. This is his episode. I'm not even. This is my episode this. because today is a very special day for me. Um, we're talking about my favorite band of all time, um, probably for the past five years at least, uh, Dinosaur Jr., a late 80s alternative icons in my eyes that um, kind of changed the scape when it comes to alternative music married with punk rock, in my opinion, actually introducing tasteful lead guitar back into the punk rock scene. Um, so today I'm going to kind of talk about why this band is so awesome. We're going to go over to their discography. We're going to go over the elements of what makes them them. Um, I don't know. What am I missing here? Um, the fact that I'm pretty much just going to be you talking almost the entire time. <laughs> I, I did. Yeah, I guess. Which I, is fine. This is practically the, <laughs> this is the ba- Michael's bad religion. Like, I, like, you know, Andrew always brings up bad religion in every single episode, and I'm sure he will this episode. However. <laughs> I told him I'd try to do my best to not do that. <laughs> this it doesn't is, matter. doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, this, this band has some pretty deep roots with me, going all the way back to um, the music my mom used to show me when I was, like, maybe mm-hmm. five or six. She showed me Feel the Pain when I was that age, and, like, it, it was just there for so long, and then I finally sought it out on my own. Lucky you. My dad played Tim fucking McGraw when I was, like, <laughs> 10 years old in the car. So, yeah, yeah wow. So we got we got the usual duo, and then we also got Brent chiming in because he said he, he likes some dino in his free time as well. I, I do like some dinosaur junior, yes. Mm-hmm. And I like Sebado a little bit. Awesome. Yeah, I like Sebado too. That's the uh, that's a side project. of. I, I, think, I think in addition to Andrew's bad religion counter we should also have a counter for michael that says if something's a brent pick or 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 or, 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 or if it's a brent answer and sebadao is a very brent band i think right i'd say so yeah (laughs) fuck off and then and then uh, every time he says it we we play like a note from a kenny g song right exactly yeah just a saxophone drone (laughs) yes but anyway so this this band um comes from northampton massachusetts which is actually where a lot of my family's from um Coming from UMass, tons of good bands came from that college, like the Pixies, for example, and a lot of that late '80s alternative stuff. But they, the band, started as a uh, as a hardcore band called Deep Wound, um, getting involved with the Boston hardcore scene and the New York. Did hardcore they ever scene. release a full length, or, or was all their material released later it, on? It was just like a demo in a yeah. seven inch. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And it's interesting to examine those roots in hardcore with what the band eventually evolved into. Um, I remember watching an interview with um, all three members, uh, frontman Jay Maskus, uh, a guitar god, uh, bassist Lou Barlow, um, probably one of the most interesting people on the planet, and then you got Murph. I met Jefferson Murphy III, shortened to Murph, um, who's just like, you know, he gets overlooked as uh, a, a member, and I think he's very important bringing like that kind of caveman-style drumming to the band. But um, it's interesting to look at how they started from a hardcore band, and then they created this mission statement saying, oh, we're going to be ear-bleeding country. That was the original mission statement, was we're going to make play country music really loud. And um, it, sounds, it, sounds like, it sounds almost like quasi-psychobilly. Yeah, almost, especially on those early records. And then, like, it, you know, they'll eventually return to that with, like, Hand It Over and stuff like that. But, like... Um, it's interesting to look at those two, those merriments of style mixed with, you know, the late 80s alternative that was going on. That kind of was the birth of, you know, the indie music you know and love. But um, 
Yeah, and then they got their their uh their like greatest hits record, if you will, is called the Ear Bleeding Country. So like they never kind of drop that mantra. But it and it's it sticks out, but you know, in some cases more than others. Um what really throws this band together for me is just going those three members, those three essential members that would change as the as time went on. Jay Mascus, who's been the kind of the sole entity of the entire band, he's he's been in there since 80, 85. And then, you know, he's the only member that has stuck through throughout, which is interesting because he owns all the rights to Dinosaur Jr. So if Jay wanted to record something, just anything, he could release it under the Dinosaur Jr. name legally. It's it's kind of like when Tony Tony Iobi did Seventh Star and sure. kind of put Black Sabbath in quotations on it. Right, right. And, but I think to just look at Dinosaur Jr. as Jay's solo project is grossly uh, misconceptualized. You also have Lou Barlow, who I think is brings a very core essence to the overall sound of the band. His bass playing style is like no other. I mean, um, I think he draws a lot of influences from Lemmy. Um, with a sort of hard picking, mm-hmm. you know, hammering on those higher strings on the bass, um, almost playing it as a rhythm guitar rather than a bass. Almost like Peter Hook from New Order. He sure. could be really high in the neck too. Like when I was well, listening to Dinosaur Jr. a lot, I kept thinking about Modest Mouse. Like their first two records are like some of my favorites. And when they were a trio, uh, Eric Judy and Isaac Brock, you know, guitar and bass, their two parts would both like the bass wasn't just playing roots. He right. wasn't just playing like tones underneath. He was like being up there doing these arpeggios to like totally complement against what the guitar was doing. Right. And like on songs like Cracked and I think it's Sludge Feast. Oh yeah. You totally can hear his bass playing being like the song would be totally different mm-hmm. if he was if he wasn't doing those riffs and those parts. You know. Absolutely. I mean, Lou's bass playing is, <laughs> I think, just as important as Jay's guitar. Um. And and like you said, like Jay marries, you know, shredding guitar playing with very rich, very unique chords that Lou then can somehow mimic by playing almost power chords on the bass on those higher strings, which creates this just very unique sound that you're not going to find in, in a lot of other places. I think um, I think a, a big song that he took influence from was uh, Diane, Diane off the Metal Circus EP, you know, uh, Husker Du. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you can hear that, like that bassline going under that, like just piercing guitar, you know, on that song. So, like, I think I can hear a lot of I influence. Can in get, I can definitely see some similarities between Husker Du and um, and Dino. I definitely can see that influence coming in. Um, I mean, I mean, think about it. They almost had like similar career paths then, because obviously Husker Du started off as a very abrasive hardcore punk group. Oh yeah. Like you know, obviously still under the name Husker Du, and Dinosaur was in a different name. Had that start, but you know, yeah, you know, when you look at Deep Wound and early Husker Du, you can definitely see some similarities. I would argue, um, Deep Wound, maybe it's just because they had they touched it up afterwards, but like Deep Wound's production is much punchier mm-hmm. than early Husker Du. But you know, obviously, as time went on, Husker Du became essentially an alternative rock act, yeah. and with and while and while in his voice was uh, starting to get clean up, you know, you still had really rough vocals. But as, again, as time went, as his vocal styles evolved, both he and Jay's, um, you, you definitely, it starts to add key elements to, to their sound and, you know, something that I, whenever I think of Dino, Dino I think of emotion. 
oh, yeah. lots of emotion, you know, with like the whining, I guess you can say vocals mm-hmm. with Jay, but I think his whining is probably works very well because it, it really gets across the pain and the, and the, the, you know, um, it's kind of the, the oppressiveness mm-hmm. of what they're singing about. It comes across much more effectively. Oh yeah. So it's, it's not, it, they're not, Dinosaur Jr. is not going to sing about political stuff. They're not going to try to make a statement. It's very hardcore roots with like self-loathing teen angst that kind of sticks all throughout, mm-hmm. which I guess you could say goes to how they were able to modernize their sound. But anyway, like, and then lastly, a member to cover is Murph. Um, a lot of people would say he's not very important to the overall sound, but it's really unique to think about how Jay was the one who taught Murph how to play drummer or sorry, how to play drums. Not, it wasn't yeah. Jay behind the drum kit. Jay, Jay began as a drummer, which is very interesting to think about it. Cause you think about him as this, uh, kind of guitar god but he started on the drums and he taught murph everything he knew so like wouldn't he get really specific about like what parts he wanted him to play mm-hmm. too yeah when he get like really anal like oh no you need to do this part oh yeah and that that creates so much tension in the band that was already there yes yeah. it was quite crazy because when i was doing research on on them like the thing that came across and uh michael you'll probably I'd say otherwise, but you know, it, it did kind of sound like Jay, especially during those days, acted kind of like a dictator almost. Absolutely. He 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 can he had full control over it, and you know, he was calling all the shots, whether the other guys didn't want to do them or not. Oh, yeah. You know, so which will lead to the story of don't the song don't later on. Right. But, um. Yeah, that's that's kind. I was I was kind of surprised to to, to see that you know because he's such a character yeah. <laughs> in interviews he's yeah. very mellow and calm mellow very is, disinterested mellow is an in understatement everything. mellow yes. is an understatement you know you would think this guy is on drugs 24 7 but he's actually a straight edge which is crazy to think about but it's, so it's literally just him he just sits back and he's like all right like jay we're so happy to be here with you today <laughs> we're so happy to interview you you know right. you're 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 a legend and then he's like all right Sounds like yeah. me half the time <laughs> when I'm not on this podcast. Yeah, but like, um, but no, Jay's attitude um, amongst like being that young and being a touring, touring band, having this kind of dictatorship in the band created a lot of tension, which should be noted in the creation of Dinosaur Jr.'s sound. They all hate each other, or at least they did, um, especially a r- the rift between Jay and Lou. Um, I remember watching uh, an interview one time, like, early from the 2000s um, while Lou was working on Sebado and, and the dude brought up Dinosaur Jr. And he's like, there's kind of like you have your Jay camps and your Lou camps, you know? Like some people would be like, oh no, Jay is, Jay is what created the band. What he, if he wasn't, if he didn't act the way he did, you wouldn't have the sound that you had. And then there's people on Lou's side where it's like, well, no, if you don't you know, consider these other two vital members of the band, you're not going to get the same sound just from a Jay solo record. Which is kind of like we're, what we were talking about with Green Mind. Yeah, but here, here's the thing. Um, even after listening and researching everything, I still got to say, I think, musically speaking, we're talking talent-wise and everything, Jay's probably still my favorite. Sure. Because I really like, as you mentioned, as you called him a Qatar god, I don't know if I'd go as far to say that, but, you know, he's you know what he he's is? Phenomenal. He's probably cannot... better than the guitarist of Twist and Sister. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's probably not debatable. <laughs> I will give you that. But, you know... I, I think I think that Jay's so good because he helped kind of pioneer like a '90s guitar sound mm-hmm. because his chord selection was so lush, mm-hmm. and that complemented with Lou's bass because it's like 
okay, going from deep wound and like hardcore, you're basically playing power chords. You're playing like the top three strings of the guitar. So you're going to have like a really blocky sound basically. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing like open C's and when I'm hearing like albums, like, like you're living all over me, you can hear Jay like playing an open G chord and then bouncing off of the G chord with, you know, a seventh. And he's doing all these lush instrumentations to the chord that Lou builds on top of. And then when you listen to 90s albums like Purple by Stone Temple Pilots, when you listen to the Gin Blossoms, all of them had this lush guitar sound, like that, like the college rock Mm -hmm. kind of twang. And I think that kind of is like, you know, borrowed directly from that Dinosaur Jr. sound, because I didn't know a lot of alternative bands that dabbled into that twangy sound until them, you know, they kind of made that bridge. No, I mean, that's a great way of putting it. I mean, well, well, would you would you argue that bands like maybe at least early on that REM was kind of doing that because they were around before Dino? Yeah, but I don't think that REM really like was as respected within that circle of influence as Dinosaur Jr. was. It seems like Dinosaur Jr. was more of like a response to bands like REM. You know what well, I mean? What was considered alternative at the time almost. Yeah, but it's like REM didn't really have like that great of a reputation in those circles already. They were kind of already seen as like outside, outside of the DIY school yeah. by that time, you know? Mm-hmm. At least in my opinion. I like anyway. REM. I, I, I like <laughs> I REM like too. REM. I like REM too, <laughs> but I'm just saying like I don't think that they played that big influence. Sure. Um, I guess the ne- next talking point I have here is just kind of like I don't know. Do you guys want to hear a story about how I met them three times? Sure. All right. All right let's <laughs> well, keep this short, Michael. I will. Oh, no, no. Don't keep it short. Say any detail you want, Michael. But I, um, so I first met Murph uh, in Northampton, Massachusetts with my granddad when I was supposed to be meeting. I woke up late um, and when I was staying with my granddad out in Massachusetts, and I was actually supposed to meet up with one of his journalist friends to get some notes. Um, and, and some points about, you know, because I was about to go into college, about to start this career. So I was about to meet with this guy, and I was late, and he was very angry at my granddad and I. Um, but I arrived at this sandwich shop that we were meeting up with him, and, th- and there walks in Murph um, past me, and my granddad has a service dog, so he stopped to pet the service dog. And then and then he just kind of looked at me as like, how you doing? Um, and then he walks away towards the bathroom. And I stop him. I'm like, wait, are you Murph from Dinosaur Jr.? And he's like, yeah, I'll talk to you in a second. But first, I got to take a shit. And he went into the bathroom. Then he comes out. And then we we chat for maybe three seconds. I'm like so nervous talking to him. And I um, and finally just like mutter out like, can, can I get a picture with you? And he's like, yeah, sure. He was he was really cool. But, he, you know, it was the meeting lasted no longer than a minute, 30 seconds. Yeah, I mean. Not, not, not to judge you, but yeah. like when, when, when you when you say that stuff, it's like I feel if I were like ever meets like someone famous that I act well, that I actually give a shit about, mm-hmm. you know, like or who's more well known, famous, mm-hmm. you know, the definitions vary. But when, when 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 it's like I don't like interrupting their lives because oh, yeah. uh, I, I I know I really uh, don't like that. It's just like just, I I definitely like after the fact. I was like I regret so much about that meeting. <laughs> like I could have like I could have waited until he was done in the bathroom. I could have just been like, hey, I, you know, I like your music, and then like have it moved on. But part of me was just like I gotta have proof. I gotta have proof that this happened. And, and now uh, now he's like, God, I got this fucking kid almost followed me into the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which gets even creepier. It's like oh, it like keeps you up at night. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just trying to- <laughs> <laughs> Here, 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 here's the thing. Like, I always view 
people, like, you know, the, the, the artists, they're, they're, they're people. Mm-hmm. I, definitely I, don't, I, tr- I try very, very hard to not put them on a pedestal because, I mean, again, like, I don't know them personally right. as part, I know their their art mm-hmm. and that's I mean I know some some, some artists are very open with their feelings very open with their experiences and that's sure. fine but you still don't know them personally yeah so like trying to like I'm gonna put myself in that shoes she's like it's, that doesn't sound appealing to me no I think so, it makes them uncomfortable like I've seen yeah. Jay interviews where when people are like really like oh my god Jay you're a god and he just looks like can we change the subject, please? Like, he right. just looks uncomfortable. Right. But, like, yeah, imagine Nardwire interviews. <laughs> yeah, have you seen, you've seen the Nardwire interviews of uh, Henry Rollins, right? Oh, yeah. It'd be something, it, it'd be like the recent Henry Rollins interview. Yeah, like, that, it's, that's what it would be like. Oh, I'd love to see that now that I'm thinking about that. Oh, no, I, but, no, I would hate it. I don't, like I don't know. It. I think part of it was like, uh, now that I'm thinking back, like, you know, we just talked about Murph being like the lesser known member of the band. I think he, I think he liked being recognized, but yeah, it doesn't happen much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have. I wish I would have laid back, which but then I it changed a lot when I met them two years later, right before I saw them um, play in Evanston, uh, Illinois. Um, and they were doing sound check. We got me and my friends got to the venue, I think, an hour and a half early. And um, we were the first ones in line. Uh, they were doing sound check. We got to watch them, and that could have been enough for me to watch them do sound check. And then they start getting packing up, getting off the stage, and then they start walking toward us. And they're like, and we're like, oh, they're gonna divert off to the left. They're gonna divert off to the right because we're like, we're behind a gate. Mm-hmm. Security guards aren't allowing us to enter yet, obviously. And then they keep walking towards us, and they're like, they're gonna come up to us. They're gonna pass us, aren't they? And then the security guard was like, if you guys, you know, signal them down, I'll I'll take a picture for you. And I'm like, oh god. So we. I I wasn't able to do it. I was too starstruck. But my friend Aaron was like, "Can we get a picture with you guys?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure." And we met them. We shook hands and everything. And um, this this will give you an idea of who what kind of guy Jay Mascus is. <laughs> I went to shake his hand, and I just told, and I kept it really casual this time because I learned from my mistakes. You know, I was like, "Hey, man, I love your music." You know. You, you know, it's, you try to be, try to meet him on his level, just right. be as chill as possible. I, that's yeah. what I really did try to do. I'm like, I talked really quietly. I'm just like, hey man, you're, <laughs> you know, you're, you're great. I love your, yeah. I love your shit. And, um, he wouldn't put down his water bottle to shake my hand. <laughs> I reached out and I had to shake his water bottle. And then when he, and then when the security guard took the picture, I, I heard Jay mutter under his breath, smash the phone. <laughs> Damn. I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, it's like I would feel that's why if I ever meet someone that I love, I almost don't want to talk to him. Right. Because I don't right. want someone like there's there's one director that I love, Harmony Kareen. Mm-hmm. He's probably like one person I'd love to meet before I die, but I don't want to meet him. Because right. I don't want to like what what if he's like, man, that Brent guy was like fucking annoying. I'm like, right. I don't want that. I just want to enjoy this person's work and hypothetically just have them not even know who I am mm-hmm. rather than this person I love hate me. You know what I mean? Or think I'm annoying. Yeah, but again, that kind of goes back to that, though. It's like, yeah, I mean, you you can argue that that's kind of, you know, dickish. But at the same time, I kind of get it. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, I do do understand it. And I did know going in, like... He probably doesn't enjoy fame a lot. And I watched interviews and tons of stuff beforehand. I'm like, I know if I expect too much about, uh, you know, from meeting this guy, I will be sorely disappointed. And I came out being like, all right, that's what I expected. You know, nothing changes about my perception of the band. Right. It's great music, in my opinion. You know, just because the lead singer's an asshole doesn't mean... Or he caught him on a bad day. Exactly. Maybe, maybe exactly. he had a really bad day. He's well, like, I just don't. Like, and he, like, 
they probably are put into a position where it's like, I don't want to say no to this fan. They're paying their money to come see me, but at the same time, it's like, fuck, after a thousand of these, I'm burned. If, I mean, it'd be, it'd be cool to be recognized, like, if some reason this podcast ever got, like, semi-big. <laughs> yeah. hey, Andrew, it's, it's, it's Andrew from Soundcheck. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, 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 First it's, time, that'd be cool. Like, even by, like, the tenth time. <laughs> it's that bad religion guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you guys mentioned them more than I have. I, I like episode. Twisted Sister, too, bro. <laughs> yeah. I, by the way, I think you guys have mentioned them more than I have this episode. It's a meme. So, you, gotta, yeah. you gotta live with it. Yeah. But anyways, Gotta embrace but anyways, them. but no, yeah, but even by like the tennis time, it'd be like, please just, this is going to be kind of hard, but he's just kind of go away. Yeah. I don't, I don't want it. Which leads me to my third and final meeting of them with them. Uh, I don't think anybody with their favorite band will ever have this experience or I mean, close to it. I actually um, sat down and had dinner with uh, Lou Barlow, the bassist, and then Murph, the drummer. Um, the stipulations for this was. I was seeing Lou on his solo tour because he does, he does a few different solo projects. Uh, and I wanted to catch him. He was playing in Lansing. I had a free weekend. It's like whatever. And for an extra, I think, 50 bucks, you could meet them, have dinner with them, spend an hour with them, ask any questions you want. And um, I'm and like, obviously, I was skeptical going in. I'm like, okay. So I got to re I read a couple Facebook posts from people saying like, oh, no, this was actually a really fun time. They're interesting guys you know, you shouldn't be afraid to do this. I'm like, all right, I, you know, I'll never get this opportunity again. I'll just do it. And, um, yeah. So I, I sat down with Lou and Murph at this really awesome place in Lansing where I got like mushroom ravioli. And, um, I had bought the first four years, the black flag compilation. And we spent like a half hour talking about our favorite black flag singers. It was, it was a really good time. I mean, SST, that would make sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, there was another guy there, but he like, he was really kind. he, he was like, you know, we'll, I'll make sure that we both have time to ask our own questions with these guys and stuff like that. And um, and I remember the guy even paid for everyone's meal. So I didn't even have to pay for the meal, which was nice. And then um, and then I saw Lou play. It was good. It was in an abandoned church. It was like 30 people. And it was it was it was probably the most intimate show I've ever been to. Yeah. And I just remember Very the cool. highlight of that was like I, I had something I wanted Lou to sign and I was able to just go up to Murph. I'm like, is it cool if I go to my car real quick and grab uh, this thing I want him to sign? He's like, yeah, it's super casual, dude. Like, don't worry about it. And it was like, it was the best thing ever. It was That's a great cool. time. That's a good story. That's a good story. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to share that because it's just to kind of give perspective on like, how, I don't know, I'm, I'm really into this band. Yeah. I mean, here, here's the thing. Like, it's, it's kind from for me with Dino. It's kind of similar to Tool, where like I wasn't like super familiar with everything mm-hmm. with with them. Like, I, I certainly knew more of Dino stuff before going here than I did with Tool. Like, I was familiar with the early stuff, some of the mid '90s stuff, and then the latest record. Right. That that's, that's pretty that was that was my extent of that of Dinosaur Junior. Coming out of this, I mean, I pretty much got everything I expected listening to. This is like okay, yeah, I I know Dinosaur Junior sound. I, even with that somewhat limited knowledge of their music. And I came out, I was like, yep, that's everything I pretty much expected. And, you know, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I do put, I would put them higher on my favorite bands, honestly. And it's certainly Bug is high, like up there among my favorite albums. Yeah. So uh, mentioning that, uh, do you just kind of want to introduce what the bulk of the episode's going to, how yeah. that's going to be divided? So, um, as I look at uh, Dinosaur Jr.'s discography, I say that they're divided. They're divided into three different um, kind of eras. You have 
the um, the original trio, J. Lou and Murph, um, with albums Dinosaur, the um, the debut, got You're Living All Over Me, and then you got Buck. After that, uh, Lou gets fired from the band. Um, everything starts to disassemble, and Jay starts to do more stuff on his own. Um, he hires the bassist Mike Johnson, and then you kind of got the albums, uh, you know, uh, Green Minds, Where You Been, Without a Sound, and Hand It Over, and I would call that, like, the 90s era, yep. um, where a lot of things were just, like, you know, it, it was consistent, it was, but then, like, towards the end, you got a little more experimental. And then you have the reunion era, which started in with 2007's um, Beyond, um, is having the three... The, tr- the original trio all come back. Um, Jay, Lou, and Murph um, recording new music with modern technology adapted into it. And in my opinion, a very different sound from the early stuff. Andrew would say it's, it's oh, I'm kind of over-exaggerate that a little bit. Um, but I definitely see the big transitions between the sounds being in those three eras. So... We're going to kind of like go over those three eras, the albums briefly, and talk mm-hmm. about our reactions to them. All right. Sounds good. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll start with uh, what started it all, Dinosaur, which is actually the, the band's original name before copyright, you know, obviously comes in and what, they had to change it what to what was, what was the copyright thing about? I remember I have no idea. The, some super group called The Dinosaurs oh, yeah. sued them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, Probably, um, everyone's still talking about them, I bet. All right. Right. <laughs> but I mean, uh, this, this first album, the debut, um, the self-titled, I guess you can say in that time, which is kind of weird because it's, you know, there's nothing that really sounded like that first album after. Yeah, I, I, that, that was it doesn't the capture m- the band's overall sound like an, a self-titled album would. You yeah, know? The, the, this is that, that, that's the main point I got from this. So that when I was listening to this, it's like and, I, and after everything else, I. I I kind of figured this would be after I listened to it. When I after went through the rest of the discography, I'm like, okay, yeah, this confirms it. This is the most unique sounding album in their entire catalog. It still has a bit of that hardcore roots in there because some of it's kind of abrasive and some of it's very hard hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, Production is obviously very muddy because they did not record this on a lot of money. It's I don't like a five hundred dollar budget. I'm something sure. like that. Yeah. So, uh, but for for a debut and considering. Like that amount of money. This is this was probably while it was kind of down there as far as like quality mm-hmm. of all the albums I listened to. This was certainly um, really strong start. I would argue. Right. I think this is one of my. Uh, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites of theirs, mm-hmm. but I think it's probably overly disliked, or maybe really yeah. overly discounted. A lot of critics, and I think even uh, a couple members of the band themselves said it's. I mean, it's a complete mess. You're getting. You're getting elements of punk, hardcore, country, folk, noise rock, art rock. It's all but when there. It's good. It is so, like songs like Cats in a Bowl. Right. That yeah. song's amazing. That song is straight. Like, and there's nothing else that sounds like that around its time. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll say it once and I'll probably repeat it. Like, this band shouldn't work.
none of the sure, styles yeah. married here should work. And the leper, I like leper. the leper. That's it, a really I was good listening one to too. the leper. I was like, this sounds like the closest to what they would. This, that's probably like the song you could poison and say this is the direction that they ha- went went on mm-hmm. afterwards. Oh, yeah. it sounds like the most dinosaur junior song on that. Episode. It really comes out like wow, this this kind of works somehow. The, the, the gargoyle is kind of a weird one on here that I really like. say severed lips is my favorite track off the album yeah, and one of my one. favorite dino songs of all time i mean uh, you get like that kind of clean pristine sound that you're not going to see in the future like that little bit of experimentation in there is like it's really nice to mm-hmm. to hear you know my, my favorite one on here like i wrote i wrote down the gargoyle and the leper as two of my favorites on here but mm-hmm. my favorite no, no question is mountain man like yeah. that solo, you oh really my god, like that, that solo is fucking crazy. The guitars, oh my, that song is a gut punch. It mm. is great. Oh, there's, good. there's also was it on the Chocolate Days live album. There's a really good live version of this there too, which is essentially this, but even more, just abrasive and just, just noisy. Yeah, and it's really cool. So, mm-hmm. and this is like the first thing that like Jay and all of them bring forward out of the hardcore thing, right? And that's such that is such a it's almost weird to hear it because it's just like, okay, coming from hardcore to this, you'd expect more of like a crossover, like a transitional sound from hardcore to this. Mm -hmm. But it seems like Jay had such a clear idea of what he wanted to do from the get go, Mm -hmm. like with all these different aesthetics and influences. It wasn't a lot of bands can do that and say, just go and say, all right, this is what we're making. Like ear, ear bleeding country. And then when I hear it with that context and you hear things like Black Sabbath, you hear things like. I mean, I know he's straight edge, but it almost has like a stoner rock vibe to right. it, an aesthetic. It's a unique piece, and it's a really interesting first album. We'll keep it moving here because, and here's a perfect transition for it. Uh, here's a reference for some of my more mainstream listeners. You won't understand this, Andrew, but I kind of relate it to Tyler the Creator's Cherry Bomb, where there's so many good ideas on there that would eventually evolve into like what Flower Boy would be. Um, and that's kind of the case with this original record going into "You're Living All Over Me," their yeah, second that, record. I most interesting, interesting, yeah. interesting take. Yeah, I, I he's right. I understood absolutely none of that. <laughs> it's okay. I just wanted to make that reference for some people to kind of no, kind of sure. get an idea. Right. But like, uh, yeah, going into the record number two here, uh, probably the most critically acclaimed, regarded as like a classic. I mean, I was telling you earlier, like if Pitchfork does a liner notes episode on this, you know, it's it, that's a real album. That's a classic right there. <laughs> so, yeah, you're living all over me. Um, uh, w- w- what's your initial reaction? I'll let you talk. Um, well, so again, so this is one I was kind of more familiar with um, going into, especially Sludge Feast. That's always been one of my favorites um, from them. Cracked was fantastic as well. Come on, man.
my favorite album comes right after this one, but this is probably like I as much on original insist, this is probably a very close number two for me. Mm-hmm. Like this is just there's so sometimes fan favorites are justified. And it's like when I look at this, it's like, yeah, there's there's a reason why a lot of people do hold this up to high acclaims. Yeah. I mean it it is the perfect bridge between their first album and what later went on to to really become this dangerous their sounds. Like you already hear a lot of that stuff in here, but I think this album, especially with the guitar tone, at least to me, has a a, a fairly distinct sound to it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I listen to it, it's like okay, yeah, that that that's from "You're Living All Over Me." So, right. I think, I mean, that opening track with Little Furry Things, it just, like, punches you in the oh, face yeah. with, like, the wah-wah wall of sound kind of it's thing so going on. so shoegazy. Oh, it, it really just, is. It, and, like, it's funny, going back to listen listening to this, it's like, I remember listening to Dinosaur Jr. with, like, my junior high friends and not really knowing what shoegaze was. Mm-hmm. And so you hear things and you're just like, oh, wow, this sounds, you know, warpy or whatever. But now going back, and I'm much older, and, you know, I have, a like, a more, like, genre context. Right. And it's so funny hearing them incorporate things like a My Bloody Valentine sound on Little Fury things. And then Cracked sounds just like this. Yeah, it, sound, I, it, it sounds like it could have been on like the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. Yeah. And like, well, I, actually, I, I, do love, actually sh- I love uh, that sound of 90s. Like on, uh, 80, late 80s, hey, early 90s up, rock. Hey, I, I said that on purpose, by the way. <laughs> I did say Showgaze uh, in my notes. It went right next to Cracked. So I, I was definitely getting a lot of that mm. from, from and the, this and album. The, those vocal harmonies on Cracked, too. And then like uh, another big highlight on their record, um, In a Jar, with that bass line. Like, mm. that's, that's my proof to any Mascus fanboys out there that Lou Barlow brings is just important to and the, the lung the lung has a really Long's good crazy, bass yeah. part too yeah essentially all songs of this album are fantastic <laughs> except most would agree that Polito is shit happy you said because i was i was going to yeah. mention i like that because lo- you could also that identify that i mean would you argue this is kind of like where um sebedow kind of like took oh, yeah. off oh yeah and yeah. like what, what's really interesting to me is going back and listening more to that project i mean one we can identify the huge influence that dinosaur jr had like go listen to bands on run for cover right now go listen to like tiger's jaw and like title fight those bands are ripping off like the Dinosaur Jr. sound, like almost on its face. And then you have, you know, bands like Teen Suicide and the whole lo-fi thing that like totally exploded. And it's like they rip off all that stuff from that, you know, that whole Sebedow camp. So it's like you have two giant points of influence coming from like the same place. And that's like you I don't really hear that too often. Right. Yeah. I, I remember when I was listening to Polito, it's just like 
Yeah, this is pretty. It was I mean, this. It was very. It's the most unique sounding song in this album, and I mm -hmm. cannot understand why some people might think that. It's just like, oh, it's just so different from everything else on there. Mm -hmm. But you know, I th I think it has its own kind of makes it has its like own like unique voice on it, and you know, I was really appreciative to hear something kind of different on on there. Yeah, and you know, it, when I was listening to it, it's, I wasn't a fan of all the loose songs that I heard mm -hmm. listening through this, but you know, like that's probably up there among my. Favorites of his and with, be, with Dino. Yeah, it should be said that because um, of like legal issues, I suppose. Um, Lou is allowed, I think, one to two songs per record, and they're always on the B side. So it sounds like the deal like Harrison had with uh, with the, the Beatles. He gets like one or two songs, right? It's and, like it's very sad. Be lucky to even it. get one. Yeah, but I mean, Polito to me is just like a look inside. Teenage Lou Barlow. It's very disturbing. Um, oh, you don't know disturbing. But yeah, like album. like you said, Brent, a lot of that stuff on Polito is Lou trying to chase after that sound that would eventually become Sebado and even his solo stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, instant classic, this album. Uh, if you consider yourself a lover of music, uh, you need to listen to this in order to be considered that in my eyes, at least. Wow. Yeah. Lay, right. Laying uh, down the law. Are, are we Cure fans here? Oh, oh we're gonna go. tell, I was going to skip I, I, over that. No, no, because no, I, 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 <laughs> I need used to talk to, about that. I used to fucking hate the cover. I used oh, to yeah? despise the cover. Just like I And know. now I don't mind the cover. I think it's okay. I like it. Uh, better than the Cure. I stand for damn sure. No, no, the Cure is great I, and the original is better. But yeah. I like, how do you guys feel about the cover? I just got to ask. I, well, I've listened to both of them many a times because my shitty cover band in high school covered the Cure version of just like heaven. And then I listened to the dinosaur junior version of it. And it's like super different. I think the, uh, well, it's for one thing, it's a whole step down, mm -hmm. um, in terms of, uh, you know, tuning and everything. And then, uh, you get that like guttural like thing Yo! in the chorus. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what is going on there? Oh, yeah. I like it, but I mean, I like it. Yeah. I love it a lot. I actually really like, it. but that, that was a bonus track with a reissue. It was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's and the fact that it's like one of the most popular things like, so whenever I look at, you know, like at iTunes or Spotify, or whatever, that's like up towards always up towards the top. Yeah. I got canceled on Twitter in 2014 for saying I didn't like the cover. So I'm just, I'm just wow. throwing that out there. I'm just throwing that's it out great. there. You got it's banned okay. from Twitter for no, saying I didn't, didn't get banned, but yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just All saying. right, but now that we'll uh, we'll lead into the next album, which will conclude our original trio yes. era with Andrew's favorite album, Bug. Yes, yes. Um, this, as I mentioned earlier, this is probably one of my up there with one of my favorite albums of all time. This is their best album. There's no debating. I will fight you, Michael. <laughs> fight me. I'll fight you too, but I'll fight both of you on. I got two fists. Uh, the, the, this is, I, I think for me, this is pinnacle Dino. Like everything you need to know about Dino you really just comes from this album. Mm -hmm. they, they, they definitely had, there's, I would argue there's more d variety, maybe, maybe not between the previous, certainly not between the debut, but maybe, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, I don't know, with the previous mm -hmm. one. But I think it's certainly more variety than a lot of their future work would. Sure. And also just based on the fact that um, it really also encapsulates some of their core sounds later on, mm -hmm. it, it, it just, it feels special to me. I don't know why. It just, especially compared to everything else, it's just when I look at everything, it's just like nothing really can just top this. I mean, Freak Scene is a damn classic. Oh, it's a banger.
Honestly, it, it might be an unoriginal choice, but I, I don't know if I can think of a song from, from their catalog I like more than Freak Scene. Just that whole, like, really jangly riff that just punches in with that it's, really... It's weird that, like, that's the moshing dino song, but it shouldn't be when you have acoustic guitar yeah. behind it, but people mosh to that song. It's the only it. song that people mosh to when I saw them. It's, I mean, but it is very energetic. You can't deny that. And oh, yeah. it, it, just, it just has that. And, of course, classic... Jay vocal performance on that. Um, you, he already kind of established that kind of sound on the on "You're Living All Over Me," but then he just continues right on with with Bug. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just Han song, No Han Bones, song. Uh, Let It Ride. Yeah, we know. And then yeah, and yes, obviously I was gonna wait for that because I know you said that that's your favorite Dino song of all yeah. time. Yeah, I um, and um, it is very close, like number two or three for me. Mm-hmm. Did either of you guys like "They Always Come"? Because I think that's one of my favorites. On yeah, that's album. a great one too. Like the second half, it's got like that kind of like instrumental passage, mm-hmm. yeah. which I really like when they go into those passages yeah. where they're wait like they show their just kind of like mm-hmm. kind of proggy influence or their classic rock influence. You know, sure. and then obviously then there's the the the, the story of don't the song don't yeah it is kind of like it is it's like their depressive version of she's so heavy mm-hmm. it really is because it's it's like what five it's like there's two lines there's like five different words in the song total mm-hmm. and it's the only loose song in the entire album now you mentioned like oh it's a, you mentioned like oh you're like, you're like looking into like teenaged um you know angsty lou barlow inside yeah. his mind and this is like that at its peak oh yeah because it is one of the most guttural uncomfortable vocal performances you'll ever hear it's just literally him screaming at the top of his lungs why why don't you like me yeah and it, it is like if, if this is what all emo music was like i'd be fine <laughs> i really would be because it's it's great it is just insane and the now when i remember when i first listened to this and i looked up this song i know i saw i think it was like on songmeetings.com or yeah, something yeah. stupid where they said like oh he like like glue coughed up blood after performing the song and at the time i had no reason to not believe that after listening to this performance right. and of course and, and i so i did my due diligence research beforehand and i actually found an interview where someone asked lou that question like did you actually cough up blood after that it's like nah i i just i just i think there's like red tinge or something i'm sure he yeah. was obviously voice was not great after that but right. i i don't think he was like losing like just like heaving up masses of blood afterwards it's too cool of a story to be true yeah. right Although, it's kind of like it's kind of like that rolling stone song uh is that gimme shelter yeah gimme shelter where like the uh they had the guest singer who was pregnant and she sung like so soulfully and like how so high pitched that the baby died or something literally what? that's just a story that rolling stone fans probably tell to make the rolling stones seem more interesting than they actually oh, God are damn. fuck damn. the rolling stones jesus christ oh, whoa hot take <laughs> okay don't like, get me started like on the them. stones no i'm i'm one of those weird guys for for around the rolling stones real quick i'm one of those weird guys who's all like all like the big four like british invasion bands mm-hmm. other than the beatles i'm one of those weird guys who likes the early like the early when they're just a g- simple garage rock band be that's more, more preferred, so. yes. More so than their experimental stuff. Not to say I don't like when they got more, you know, creative. I mean, sure. that stuff's good too to me. Shut up, Brent. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I, I just I just like the simpler stuff with that. I guess I'm a yeah. simple man. In that no, a, I'm not a, a mountain li- man. Not, huh? A mountain, a mountain man. 
mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To wrap, to wrap oh, up. Can, our, I, uh, can I just add one more thing to the it. don't thing? Um, it was funny though because when when this is just kind of a, talking about like the um, sex would be good transition. Uh, you want talking about how Lou and Jay did not like each other. Well, here's like the one song that like Jay gave to Lou to sing. It was mm-hmm. just this really like really rough vocal performance. He was like, you know, just fuck you. I'm just going to do this as <laughs> nasty right. as possible. Right. It was just kind of like, whatever. And that's kind of how he got that performance. So, yeah. and then interesting. after that, Lou gets fired. Uh-oh. So now, oh, to wrap it up, though, I, I want to say, Bug, um, for any for guitarists like Kirk Hammett, listen to this if you want to know how a wah-wah pedal should be used. Anyway, um, but yeah, Lou gets fired, <laughs> and now we're transitioning into 90s Dinosaur, right? Uh, starting with the 1991 album Green Mind. Now, on this album, um, it's, it's pretty much a Jay solo record, actually, yeah. because Lou gets fired. He goes on to form Sebado and various other projects. Um, Murph is still hanging around. Um, he dr- doing he, his Murph thing. Doing his Murph thing, <laughs> as he does. He drums on three tracks on the um on the album but uh like yeah it's wagon water and thumb that's the only tracks he drums on everything else is done by jay um and you actually said this is your least favorite album by uh dinosaur andrew can you explain why that is again Sorry, so I, I thought I saw. I swear to God, I thought I'd written all the, those three songs you'd mentioned as my three favorites off this album. There you go. <laughs> I, I think no, I didn't though. I had I have the wagon. Obviously, I live mm. I live for that look. How would you pin that on me? I think those are the three. But I do remember liking those two. Right. I think. So this was very surprising to me that this was the least favorite thing I'd listened to. Mm-hmm. Like overall, I still liked it, but like there was just. Like I remember, puke and cry, not liking very much. I love cool. that song. I love puke That's and cry. That's one of my favorite well, songs. That's here for me too. It's like a top tenner, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm, okay, maybe it wasn't that one. I don't remember which one it was. It might have been. No, you're yet. just wrong, Andrew. That's no. The I, I, I just, I'm taste. just misremembering titles at this point. Because yeah. here, here's the thing. This another point I mentioned, and not. I, I think there is a good at these amount of variety with Green Mind, but this is really where I think pretty much the the core dino sound that you hear today even up to this latest album was pretty much i mean it was kind of established with with bug and you're you're living all over me but i think with it was just established in green mind mm-hmm. and then definitely going from uh where you've been um and onwards like it pretty much has never deviated past there i'm not saying that it's an insult i think they just found a sound that works for them and they managed to stay consistent through there that being said, though, yeah, I, I just, it, it got a bit quirky, I think, at times. You just got a bit, uh, just kind of, um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 you, I think, yeah, Jay was trying to do his thing while still keeping with the dino sound, and it didn't really work. Oh, yeah. That's during what, there. And that's why I say, like, you got to have 
a full band if you want Dinosaur Jr. If you want Jay Solo, go listen to Jay Solo. But you're not going to get Dinosaur Jr. unless you have a th- at least a three-piece. See, all right, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I kind of like when Jay does solo stuff under the Dinosaur Jr. label. Like, we're, we're going to talk about Hand It Over later mm-hmm. more. And I really like Hand It Over a lot. It's not my favorite, I'd say, but it's one. It's like my second favorite, probably. And the reason I like that, it's like, okay, I like Pink Floyd. I hate David Gilmore. Mm-hmm. I love Roger Waters. Mm-hmm. My favorite, One of my favorite Pink Floyd albums is The Final Cut, because it's basically a Roger Waters solo album. And I don't know. Sometimes I like when I feel, and you know, we may disagree, but I like when the person that I feel to be like the heart and the most creative person within the band, the person that kind of like quote makes the band is left to their own devices with the project fully. Mm. So the reason why I like that nineties era to dinosaur junior so much, I like the late eighties stuff. I like the first era, but the reason why I really, really like like the 90 to 97 era is because it did zero in on that sound. And that's kind of like what made that trademark dinosaur junior Mm. sound. And that's the sound that I feel like bands are still ripping off. Like they'll try ripping off the you're living all over me thing, but I feel like the 90 sound has aged so well because bands almost feel like they don't have to augment it too much because it is such a good sound. Like, yeah, they didn't deviate it, but they, they didn't really deviate from it, but I don't really think they had to because I feel like that sound was really strong and fresh at that time. Can I kind of make a point real quick? Yeah. You know, kind of going off that, you know, again, like I said, I didn't really say when they don't deviate that, Again, I don't think I don't think it's a bad thing. And again, I think we we kind of had this discussion when we t- when we did our New York Hardcore episode, where yeah. um, it, it, if a band finds a sound that works for them and they they consistently write good music within it, I'm not going to really fault them too much for not doing anything different. But I think more to the point when I said you know it establishes it, you know, I think actually kind of to me at the point I just realized something. This is just kind of their growing pain almost going into that transition with with them leaving because mm-hmm. I think all. The next the three albums that come during this period, this this you know the mid '90s period, um, I think are really solid. When I was listening to this, it's just like, oh, there's certainly semblance of really good Dino songs in here. It's just I think it just maybe yeah, even maybe a little too experimental at some points during it, and uh, I don't know. It, it just it just felt like they were just trying to establish something, and I think they would end up make making that the sound work. Um, come where you've been, right? No, I think you guys both established like very good points regarding like 90s dino and and that kind of follows on where you've been where you have mm. their most their critically acclaimed song and i can't even remember it because i'm there? having a brain brain fart out, out there. there is fucking awesome but no i'm thinking of Start shopping. yes great song oh there's no going back to that i soon can't even react didn't say It's the last 
upbeat song. Okay, we'll get to that one. In a second. <laughs> are, we, are we talking about where you've been now? Yeah. Okay. I went straight to without a sound in my mind. I'm so sorry. But yeah. Well, here's the thing. They're both mid-90s albums start with a W word. Like, I oh, get yeah. them confused so much. Uh, but here, here's the thing. Like, when I was listening to this, I was like, okay. Because here's the thing. I... Out there is one of the songs I knew there knew beforehand. Mm-hmm. I love Out There. I think it's a Out There's amazing. It's, it's it's emotional too. Oh fuck! As fuck as it is. Yeah, my my buddy's gonna hate me, but uh, my friend Aaron said that's the only Dino song that like makes him cry sometimes. No shit, he's talking about his dead dad yeah. during this. It's just so, it's like, you always want to, even though you know he'll hate it, you almost want to give him a hug during this because he's oh, just yeah. like, hey, he's don't s- try to hug Jay Maskus. Yeah, I've learned that. No. <laughs> I didn't try to hug him. I didn't try I to hug him. Michael just like running to him and just like doing like a leaping hug into it Jay Maskus. just like walks away. Two, one of two things would happen. Just Jay, like shoulder Jay, Jay would either be like, good old. Or he, yeah. or like you'd see him finally like come out of it and be like, get up! Like he like finally break. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he just comes enlightened by Michael. So or he likes it. Yeah. Maybe yeah, he likes like, Michael. Oh, this is a deal. Michael's Michael like Livingston is finally changed I'd really my mind like to about think that. my really fanboys. But yeah, no. Where you been is the last album that Murph drums for Dinosaur Junior until 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and then this is when uh, Jay also like really highlights um, the recruiting of Mike Johnson. This is when uh, Dinosaur gets more commercially successful. They start playing on late night shows. Oh, yeah. Um, they were on Letter- Letterman in this era. Um, and I, I remember watching that performance. Like, Jay has this giant band behind him because, like, you know, the sounds that are done in the studio can't be replicated with just a three-piece. Yeah. How, do they have touring members? I, I watched this one interview. They were on, like, 120 minutes, and they sent out a fax to people to apply to be their new bass player. Hmm. Like, they had a fax number sent out, like, if you want to apply, send right. a fax to this well, number. Well, like, was this during the 90s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This was, like, 92-ish, I think. Yeah. But um, yeah. Th- another point, we mentioned the two big hits from here, Out There and Start Chopping. Mm-hmm. Why is... Star chopping is the bigger hit on this one because honestly, I thought it sounds cool. I mean, like you start, get, you start, get... but start chopping is was one one of the least like in I I wouldn't say interesting, but it was like the least catchy songs on this thing. Okay, maybe that too, but like when I, I when I think this album, I think out there because that 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 song is I think just dino to the nth degree, mm-hmm. and I can I can well I can probably understand why that wasn't. 
I obviously it's appealing to maybe mainstream listeners. When I was listening to Start Chopping, like, yeah, it it felt choppy. Like it really like there's no I don't have any words for that. It just right. felt kind of it's just awkward to listen to. I guess I can see that, but I I personally love that song. I I yeah. I really like it. Like songs like Start Start Chopping, What Else Is New, mm-hmm. Get Me. I really like Get oh, Me get, a lot. Get Me's crazy. That in Ooh, my opinion is like a quintessential yeah. Dinosaur Junior song. Oh yeah, and you can't I I can't believe I forgot to talk about this, but you can't talk about Dino without including the acoustic tracks that come in, especially on that, not those nineties more somber and, cuts, yeah, and that comes in later. Like it's not just shredding rock without a sound, especially. It's yeah. way more like low key than I think people would expect mm-hmm. of like a ninety rock album at yeah. that time. Even like uh, not the same, which is incredibly sad. Like that, that's up there without there in terms of emotion. Yeah, but um, but yeah, as far as start chopping goes, and I think the reason why you might hate it, but others may like it, is because I think it was. It was very different going into that album. Mm-hmm. That's something people have never heard. Like, um, people like you touched on. Like, Jay played a lot of open chords with a lot of like kind of like the lead guitar behind it. You never hear him kind of getting the, like the funky and the muting stuff. Like, the mm-hmm. yeah. When I heard that like, intro, cool. I was like, "This is not a di- this. Ha- this doesn't sound like Dinosaur Junior." And then when you hear all those lush chords with the distortion and yeah. those harmonies, it, it makes total sense to yeah. me. You know. If anything, I think that what the track Start Chopping does is settle how good of a guitar player Jay is. Yeah, that I can, can see that. Incorporate tons of different styles. Here's the thing, and as much as I really do like the emotional parts in this, like when you say not the same, honestly, it's probably one of my least favorites on this one, simply oh, yeah? because it's a six-minute-long acoustic track. I like, I love acoustic track. I really, I've really grown to like it. Mm-hmm. I can't do six minutes. Mm-hmm. No, it just becomes too just drawn out for me and i can't do it i like the more explosive stuff on this hide i think is a hide's fan. great i love that's on the way is also a good one too oh yeah on the way is crazy so i listened to that while delivering pizzas and i was running late just, just like you used to deliver pizzas yeah who for who for jets like up here no i know no, way back in my hometown oh man i i i was about that delivery life for a few years oh, yeah. oh. it's it's, it's good pain. money it's good money but it's pain yeah. it is Honestly, pain. i feel the that. pain I when feel i deliver <laughs> pizzas <laughs> now we can transition there we go Absolute oh brilliance so least favorite part of this whole excursion was listening to this album yeah so <laughs> thank you <laughs> honestly no this album is overrated i'm highly. sorry i don't care if i'm a mainstream pleb and you know what i know michael's thinking this right now i'm sorry if we're talking about the 90s material, this was my favorite. I feel the pain of everyone. And I feel nothing. I feel the pain of everyone. And I feel nothing. This is this is in my opinion this, where this sounds like Jay ran out of ideas at this point. That's, that, that, that's all I got from this album. Like you uh, have some highlights, a couple highlights, but most of it is like drivel. When when I when I was listening to this, all again, I have this pretty much gave me everything. 
that I would want out of a out of a dinosaur junior album it, it i really got what i wanted and you know i never i was i wasn't bored listening to this i got bored sometimes listening to green mind i certainly got bored li like later on listening to farm but um i love farm oh i know farm. I'll, I'll that, him for that, that was like that was like my probably my the least favorite thing i listened to well the second least favorite thing but we'll get to that when when we do but without a sound this was i thought like a lot of their other material was a very consistent album mm -hmm. i like feel the pain certainly not among my favorite dino songs Goddamn pleb, dude. hey you said you're f okay fine just put the bad religion counter i, I don't care i'm done no. you said you <laughs> I, I i tap out i have to say it you said your favorite fucking bad religion album stranger than fiction so what that is like the most radio fucking album too. <laughs> In fact, it came around the same time. I think Stranger Than Fiction, I think it was either the same year or maybe the year after Without a Sound came out. Well, there you go. So you know what? You get to judge me right. for saying this is... Right, and I didn't, I'm, I'm not even saying this is my favorite Dino album. I'm just saying of this particular era, this is this it's is the one that I really of the 90s got me the most. I, you know, I really liked Over the Shoulder, and you can talk about that in a second. Yeah. Uh, but what else? I don't think so was great too. I don't um, think so is good. Um, I was Philippine grab it was also great mm -hmm. um, on the brink was good. I, I don't did the, it, it did kind of tail off at the maybe in the middle maybe mm -hmm. even can kind of like I said kind of drag a bit in the middle yeah but I, I think the, the like the start in the beginning mm -hmm. of this album is really good and did I say the start in the beginning the start in the end <laughs> yeah of this album I thought were really good so but why don't you think it's, it's the strongest or other material okay well it should be said that I do respect this album as as do I all dino records um it's just it's just not my favorite because like Brent said it, it's kind of there it was a little bit of running out of ideas with this point at least Jay being by himself um doing the majority of work he needed some fresh inspiration coming back you know getting the old trio back together later on although this album actually marks a really pinnacle point culturally for this band this is when they started getting into the skate videos a lot um because dinosaur jr has a huge presence in the skateboarding community especially in the early 2000s really um the that cover art for this was painted by neil blender a famous uh 90s skater um you and then you start seeing like famous guys like rob deerdeck using the lung for his skate parts um and you'll start to see this o over on in the music videos with over it tiny going down they're all just professionally skilled uh, film skate videos so i think literally the most redeeming quality of this album is that cultural impact of them getting into the skate stuff which i think is very cool um like growing like growing up me trying to be a skater like i listen to dinosaur jr a lot and uh, like you put like almost ready uh, from beyond in the skate three and stuff like that so yeah that's the most redeeming quality of this album for me is that cultural impact not really the music because the music is like you said, it's 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 a little drab. Yeah, that that that's my big thing, and that's why I feel just like the material surrounding it, like uh, where you've been before and handed over after. Those records just have more life and color to them, and it's not even so much that I think without a sound is like too sad sounding, or maybe it's too. It's just like the, the songwriting just isn't there most of the time. Mm -hmm. it, it, there's no other excuse for me. It's just like I, for me. It, it was the one that clicked the least that like I had the least amount of times where I was like, oh, yeah, that song. I love that song. But I mean, again, me. I don't know. I, I just find it to be a very consistent album. Now, this this is where I think this is I, I what I will say is that this is one of the most prime examples of 
when you listen to this album where dino songs really blend together mm-hmm. i mean at least at least for someone who who's not as familiar with their stuff you know I, I think this is i think this is a very good example it's like okay yeah these like these songs you know i i can like if i if i heard a song off this I, and i think a lot of their stuff too you know, especially post reunion um if i if you played it i wouldn't i probably like i don't i don't remember that song in particular mm-hmm. like not to say that there aren't memorable moments, but like, yeah, I'll I'll definitely give you that they're it, it they do it does blend together. Mm-hmm. But again, like I think when I, when I think Dino, something else I think about them is just consistency. And I think consistently, this was like when I was listening to this album. I don't I don't know why, but just for me, when I was listening to this, it was like the most where I like that's like a weird odd moment. I didn't really like that. Or I just, Oh, I thought that was too boring. I got that the least amount of times listening to this and the other stuff where you been comes at a very close second. I will admit that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, this, I don't know. I, the, I, sometimes the mainstream albums aren't that bad guys. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I fully agree with that. I don't dislike it because of its popularity. I, I just feel are, like, Brent. but now we go to the best album. Yeah, this is, this is one of Brent's favorites. And no, then, no, I'm, I'm just going to say it is my favorite. A definite Brent pick, if I do say so myself. I, Can yeah. we start that counter, please? <laughs> yes, definite Brent pick counter. Yeah. Every time I, I, I... I'd probably join in on that too. Though. Every time I like something which is viewed as pretentious, we'll just uh, we'll just put a, a ding somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah this, this, this album, a 1997 album called Hand It Over, uh, I would say is the underdog of all of Dino's discography jay actually said that this is his favorite record that he ever recorded because it is the underdog it's the one that didn't get a lot of attention from the media the label um it was treated as very uh, i don't know like an afterthought yeah and it's very underwhelming but which is definitely not the case um this album is gets really experimental in terms of instrumentation and production and it's got my favorite dinosaur jr songs it has nothing's going on Mm -hmm. which i think that is my all-time favorite dinosaur jr song talk about six minutes of a like six minutes being too long. long i remember that oh, i was gonna ask if you because that song is long and it's just him going <laughs> like for like eight <laughs> eight minutes right I, and not, uh is it oh, it's acoustic driven though, isn't it? well no it's not and it's not so but, that's uh, probably why <laughs> sure not over you that is an amazing song mm-hmm. i gotta that know song. i remember like now too um yeah this this is i'm insane is also really good i just feel like this whole album's like it's like a return to vulnerability because it feels like without a sound, 
it it didn't really because like it, it seems like the appeal in Dinosaur Jr. is that personal thing you can connect with it mm -hmm. or that comfort you feel from listening to it. Like I, I, I remember, I wouldn't. I, I would argue that that uh, without a sound definitely had a lot of um, comfort. I, I I don't I don't think that was sacrificed in the making of it. But uh, like how, how how we had that interview, like we were talking before we started recording about that kid mm -hmm. who interviewed Jay, and you know the kid said like some of your songs feel like I'm being hugged. Yeah. And when the kid said, I was like, yeah, I kind of relate to that. Cause like mm -hmm. listening to Dinosaur Jr. and especially watching music videos that they directed with it, mm -hmm. it transports me to when I was six years old watching Mad TV with my dad on Saturday morning. Yeah. It transports me to that realm. And then listening to Hand It Over, it transports me to that feeling. And it, it makes me, it, it just, it like surrounds it keep, you. It keeps you grounded. Yeah. And like songs like Sure Not Over You, songs like Nothing's Going On, those songs, just feel so relatable and they feel so emotionally potent because I feel like Jay kind of knew this was like he was approaching the end with the project mm -hmm. and you can kind of feel like this is his last like throwing everything at the wall that he can right before he's kicked out of the room basically mm -hmm. you know and that's why I feel like some of these songs really shine like they may not be hits they may not be you know giant things but mm -hmm. I feel like they're very honest songs and I feel like that's like a trademark that any dinosaur junior fan would like is like honest songwriting. Yeah. It really does suck that this record kind of fell flat and it wasn't even the, the songwriting uh, problem itself. It, Cause like, I think it got like pretty good critical reception. It's just that, um, the label, which I think at the time was reprise records. They didn't do a lot of advertising for it. Um, they didn't think there was a single on the song, which is bullshit because I know you're insane. It's a goddamn banger. But, um, but like, you know, I don't know. It, it really does suck. Um, well, it was also 97. Yeah. Think about like, uh, bands like Dinosaur Jr. were seen as like culturally less relevant since, you know, yeah. the whole grunge thing ended. It seems like alternative rock was less relevant in 97. Right. You had big beat getting bigger in the nineties, mm -hmm. Euro dance and all that shit. Pop punk was starting to really kind of slowly creep in. New metal was slowly starting to creep uh, in. Late nineties, early two thousands music was just, it, it's a shadow. Realm. It truly <laughs> really is terrible. a shadow. Realm. Realm. No if, ands, or buts. It was terrible. Yeah. And then you have this in 97 and most people were like, you know the alternative rock thing. Oh yeah, that that that's old news. I feel like that sounded like dinosaur music. Mm. Oh, I feel like that's probably <laughs> played into the label not really pushing so, it that hard. Yeah. So I, this is what I will say about this album. Uh, certain I, I certainly like this a lot more than I did Green Mine. I this I feel like this wasn't less. This was less consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, than the previous two. I will say that's probably because they were trying to experiment more, and I will definitely say this is like their after the debut this is their most unique sounding album and i i, th I think th there were there were quirky moments like quirky behind beyond charming like like you know when, when i was like well one of the things i'd mentioned to you like the probably honestly the most memorable song and not even for the best reason mm -hmm. on this whole thing was getting rough
and like those when I heard that like really weird was boys playing a banjo. It's a banjo, yeah. When I was playing this, like, when did Jay Mascus start finding Mumford and Sons? I was just <laughs> like, bleeding country. Exactly. So I, it, I didn't like it. It was just like I, I didn't, didn't hate like it. it. I didn't hate it, but I was just like. Oh, that that idea kept coming to my head. It's like I love okay. how he doesn't play it like a banjo either. He like kind of does his little slides that mm-hmm. he does, like uh, with yeah. especially like the later stuff. He plays it like how Jay plays a stringed instrument. It's just yeah. hilarious. He doesn't put any sort of. I mean, it's fine, but like it. whatever. Like it, it. My point is sometimes is the experimenting experimentation was nice on this, mm-hmm. and it, I don't think it always worked i would argue mm-hmm. but i can at least appreciate them for trying that so that's why i that's why i do kind of see that as kind of the underdog it's like oh it's just kind of doing its own thing mm-hmm. it's it, it's cute but you know it, it doesn't it is a always cute work. album I, that's what it i doesn't love about always it. work but when it does it, it's pretty cool all right i hope you guys have stuck through this far because this is i think one of the more interesting um eras of dinosaur jr yeah, and the era that we're in right now the reunion era starting in 2007 with the album beyond which for a long time, my my favorite dinosaur album pretty much changes by the day, but uh, beyond consistent, consistent. I, I know what my favorite albums are. Yeah, no, but like I I always revisit Beyond if I ever doubt the ability of this band as songwriters. <laughs> like the uh, this reunion album was like never actually supposed to happen. Originally, they just planned to re-release the older stuff, um, maybe tour it a little bit, but there was never a thought of getting back into the studio. This was all accidental. And I, from the, the powers that be, all three of the original members, Jay, Lou, and Murph, they're back in the studio recording this absolute banger of an album. I mean, the song Crumble is what made me fall deep into the fandom of this band, uh, I will admit. It's, a, it, it's got beautiful chord progressions. The lyrics stand out. It's like... It's like standing out in the wind just before like a storm starts because you know like the album's gonna get loud later on but like right now like it's a little somber it's just enough um it's oddly calming and unsettling um i don't know what did you guys think and i'll get into some of my other so, tracks later can, can i start yeah so i'm gonna break your heart a little bit michael oh, I know i'm sorry are. uh this to me I, I i mentioned no i mentioned this a couple times and i know you want to have this conversation mm-hmm. like i i said a lot of this stuff sounds a lot of dinosaurs uh, uh, especially past a certain point a lot of dinosaur stuff starts to blend together a lot of it becomes very similar sounding to each other uh, and this and i think post reunion is like really really capsulates that i'll give i, I think beyond is probably the most I guess I guess have the most memorable like standout moments on it. I will I will at least give you that with this particular record. But like, I know there were some songs in here that was just like ah this is kind of boring. It's kind of whatever. It was like I don't remember what they were though because this is all blending. The this is where it starts to blend together. And I'm, I'm not saying that really as a as as a as a insult or as a not hardly even a critique. It's just kind of like again this is they had established their set sound. And they and they and they just stuck with it, and you know they just write really solid songs and music. And I think, I think it, it certainly it's a sound that works for them, and I really love their sound. So I'm I'm not harping on that. I'm just saying though, it's a little hard for me to like pick out some stuff. Like I know "Pick Me Up" is probably the most memorable song from there. It's like six and a half. Really, <laughs> I love that. Really, I love "Pick Me Up." That was a gr- that's a great. Okay. Song. It's six and a half minutes, and great. Great riffing. I was like, I was thoroughly enjoying the song throughout the entire spread of it. You did not listen to 
what if I knew or I got lost or been there all the time? I mean, those are fucking awesome. I bet they were. I, I, if I could remember them. <laughs> I think but, I'm in agreement with Andrew here. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm more so underwhelmed by the reunion stuff. I'm not Farm saying I was okay. underwhelmed. But. Okay, I guess I don't agree with Andrew. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I see the reunion era as um, kind of merging. Because um, I think Dinosaur Jr. is the only bands that recognize that their sound that they carried all throughout the late 80s and early 90s is not going to carry in the 2000s. It's, it's just not going to happen. And I think they're the one of the only bands that successfully modernized their sounds, especially as we talk about some records that preceded this one, especially like I Bet on Sky. Um, but like the, I think this record beyond is them getting their bearings back together, um, hooking back up together as a band, clicking, realizing that they're all older, and realizing that, yeah, uh, we're old. You know, we're not going to be making the same hits that we were in the 80s and 90s. So we got to do something to modernize our sound. I'll, I'll say this. Like, I feel like of 90s, like, alternative bands that reformed, mm -hmm. like, okay, Smashing Pumpkins is another good example. Mm -hmm. Their reunion stuff is horrible. Horrible. This is nowhere near that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like of, like, bands of their caliber reforming, the, the, the reunion stuff isn't as bad as it could be. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. Like, like if you're like a hardcore fan, like, 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 like you, you're going to love it. Yeah, because, love it. But I feel like if you're a person who's a fan like me, who's more of a fan of like, you know, the classic stuff and I kind of leave it there. Farm has some OK songs. It almost feels like non-essential listening. It feels like 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 these collections of like this is going to sound bad to me. It's like this collection of B-sides that I could dip into to find all these hidden treasures, but I just don't really feel the need to. So you, you mentioned that, okay, they did something to modernize their sound to kind of change it. How did they change their sound necessarily on this? Okay. You keep to explain this. Ma mainly it comes in the form of songwriting. Uh, in this album, they take a more chorus heavy approach, um, which is what you're going to see in a lot of pop music. In uh, that way, they're kind of becoming a little bit more approachable. They tone back the solos because a lot of people are thinking, oh, the, the guitar hero stigma. Like, why? Why do we want that anymore? That's old news. They There's take a lot the, of souls on this album. I mean, not as much as say, I don't know, Green Miner Bug. Here's the point I, I that I think of. Like, certainly, I, I will give you that this is um, Bug and You're Living All Over Me have their own bubble. Mm -hmm. They do. They, they they sound distinct enough from the rest of their discography. But when, when I when I listen, but if I were to listen to anything from where you been? Mm -hmm. And then listen to something from this album or any of the other post-reading stuff. It's like, all right, this all sounds like it could all be on one album. Genuinely. Like I, I get the production. I will yeah, I if, if I, I think the argument of the production, if you think is part of the reason why mm -hmm. they modernize the sounds. I mean, I'm gonna tap out again and I'm gonna say it. Bad religion. <laughs> just, just put the counter. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, I can argue that okay, well, they had a more modern sound because they're because there's stuff in the two thousands sounds more louder more punchier than the stuff in the mid 90s i could argue that but i mean that's kind of like a duh thing you're gonna get with any bands when i when i, when I was listening to this it's like okay the way I, like really like i kind of had a dino sound in my head and when i, I just, was listening to especially during the reunion stuff it met everything i expected how can you pair shit that comes off of farm with stuff that comes off of i bet on sky like 
it, it's night and day in oh, my eyes at least i don't know M- maybe if like, i were to, to put give all him... the reunion stuff into one lump and say it blends together i mean sorry dude that's blasphemy to me i, I don't least. know if i have enough of like experience with the post reading and, and stuff you know, to even I, i'll just like what i've dipped into it's feel it sounds non-essential to me mm-hmm. but i feel like as a hardcore fan with that context you're gonna find those things yeah, to pick yeah. out that like a more no, and i'm, and, I'm know, definitely and, picking up on what you guys are saying yeah so, for sure. and so 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 and to michael just to jump off that point i i totally understand how you can see these albums maybe i i, I mean i don't see how you can see them being completely different but i can I understand why you might see them as something being unique mm-hmm. maybe if i were to really just give let these gel with me some more time maybe yeah. i would be a little closer to you but but again i really liked beyond i thought yeah. beyond was like as far as post reunion was like no, no, no. my second favorite and i can definitely that I listen to i can definitely see where you're era. coming from where it's like all right this this is a little weird this is a little different and it's like it's not necessarily what you're thinking you're gonna get um mainly just because they're coming you're coming back after jay did jay mascus in the fog you're coming back after lou had a very long successful career with sabado and his solo stuff they they all had solo stuff mirth did a lemon heads album i think and then um but the, you know they're all coming back and they're trying to figure out where are we going to go from here which i think is um which transitions well in the farm because it, it kind of shows yeah they can they can adapt modern songwriting skills but they they don't sacrifice the core elements of dinosaur jr there's really no other words to describe farm than like a tsunami of like sound and noise that's kind of like overwhelming but like in the best way possible brent will back me up on this um and I would I would suggest checking out a documentary on YouTube called In the Studio, where it kind of goes over the making of Dinosaur Jr.'s uh, farm. But why do you like farm, Brent? I feel like it's really fresh sounding. I feel like since handed over, that was like it felt like the most effort was put into it. Beyond didn't really stick out to me at all. <laughs> uh, I know. With the song Pieces, you can just tell like there's an insane yeah. amount of gear that all these tracks are running awesome. through. very hands-off so you're really getting the full force of the dino sound Mm. which i can tell can be really overwhelming and i can kind of see how it bleeds into one another with the tracks but it's but like brent said it's fresh yeah i want you to know plans your weather i really liked over it all of these just felt like they could it felt like they this is the thing that i like about reunion bands this is what i wish something like the smashing pumpkins did it's okay to like go back and like pick things out of your sound, but give me a reason for you to like return to that. And these songs feel like embellishments on that old format. It feels like necessary things that like I would want to hear. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. It feels like also during this time, like they kind of have like another like aesthetic like era. Cause it's mm-hmm. like 
the the 90s stuff had a very clear kind of like visual pastiche to it yes yeah it, a lot of like claymation and stuff and then uh jay solo stuff and the farm i don't know if he used the same artist for both of those okay uh, spot stick i think yeah i really like how dinosaur jr like maintains a constant visual aesthetic because like i know it's just a visual thing but to me that does play a little bit of a part in my enjoyment of an album or a band if i can feel like it's like even if it doesn't like quote unquote fit into their catalog, as long as I feel like it has a place there, it can make it more enjoyable and farm. Like it feels like it could have come out in like maybe 2000, like right after you handed over and it would have seemed like an okay transition. Mm-hmm. And I think I mentioned it earlier. This was my least favorite one of the post reunion stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, a, you know, I know I think part of it was um, I didn't, I didn't look at like the track lengths or the, the album length in general before I was going in. I didn't know what I was getting into. I remember I was playing this in the in, in the car, and I was like, when is this thing going to end? Because <laughs> like, it was like, oh, my God, this is like a re- – there's a, several tracks that go over six minutes, and, you know, and I don't have a problem with long songs. I don't have a problem with long albums. I don't think Dino – when I think when I, when I think I, when I think Dino, I don't think long songs, long albums. Sure. But, you know, so it, part of it w- – so I – Again, I'm not saying not. No, that's not really my main problem with this. It's just something I didn't expect, and I've, I feel part of it is it just kind of droned on. It was just kind of like something that was at times kind of felt boring to me. Like I know that sounds maybe a bit harsh, but kind of is. You would say I don't want to go there is boring. With four different solos that sound completely oh, no, unique no, to I, the last. No, that was great. I said at some points. I'm not saying this album as a whole. It, it, it just kind of lagged on for me. Is kind of what they, I, at times, nowhere near, nowhere near to the extent when I was listening to Tool is how I got that with this album. But, you know, but certainly, this, this album, I'm not saying it was bad. I still liked it. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, especially when I compare it to the, a lot of their other stuff, it's like, this this one stood out to me as one of like, the ones that were just the, the weaker ones to me. And... And I, I know you guys keep saying that they did something fresh with this. And in some ways, I can see that. I mean, but, like, overall, like, I still I mean, I still see it as a Dino album. And, it's, and again, I love it. I, I like Dino, mm-hmm. so I'm okay with that. It's just, like, I just don't think that their sound kind of sometimes justifies some of the lengths. I want to go there. Fine. I, I think Eight it works. Minutes, man. It, wor- it works. I think it works for there. But it's just, like, the, the length of this album, I don't feel like justifies what. That, that's fair that's a fair point you think so can i ask you this do you think maybe they were trying to take a certain artistic standpoint by increasing the lengths that oh, yeah, you no, think for wasn't sure. necessary oh no no, no I, I don't think th- it's not like tool where they just i felt like they just like jacking each other off at the time you know i i, I think uh i think no i've i can definitely see farm that they're trying to do something different with that and again i can appreciate them at least for that but i just don't i just think that the, the core they would have had to done something at least with the core sound a little different to change change it in order to make it i think feel a little more worthwhile but that being said i still think i still didn't hate i just uh, far from hating this album mm-hmm. i i still liked it um Megan pieces was great over it i remember really enjoying it and um yeah i mean i don't know it's fine i i think i'd probably parrot what he said there mm-hmm. but i i have a more favorable opinion of the album but yeah. I'll leave it there. That's Again, I don't have a disfavorable opinion. Yeah. I'm just saying, of all the Dino albums, right. this is like number. This is like number, t- like the second to the bottom. Right. Wait, would you, Brent? Would you say uh, you like Hand It Over more or Farm? Oh, Hand It Over. Okay. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I, I thought you said that wasn't number one, though. No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll retract that. It is number one. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll have the Brent, Brent pick be number. Yeah. What a Brent pick. Yeah. Brent pick. 
But yeah, comparing this album, I bet on Sky, to like Bug, like it's two I, completely different bands. When I when I listened, if you're talking like Bug to this, mm. I I don't I'm not gonna say they're completely different bands, but like I will definitely give you there is certainly a lot of stylistic production, um, just kind of. Just, just performance-wise, kind of mood-wise, even too. They, 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 they do sound like different albums. They definitely do sound like okay. You can definitely hear progression between those two. I think they definitely take on the indie name in this uh, album. I, I like especially on those songs, like the opener. Um, you, you see how great Jay and Lou's voices sound together mm-hmm. when they're singing off of one each other, of oh. one another, and that stems all the way back to little furry things. Like of how good that sounds, and I wish that would be more. Yeah, that would, that would be more there. What, 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 what's it? Love is. Did, didn't they do a bit of a vocal like harmonies on that? I don't know. I think that was. I think that was solely Lou, but that's on the next record. Or maybe maybe it was the other one on that. I, mean, I know it's the next record, but yeah. but no. I, I mean, overall, like I again, it was hard for me to pick out songs from seeing it now. But no, I I back, front to back, I didn't think there was really a bad song on uh-huh. here, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, like. The the main ones for me like and it, oh watch the corners that was one I watch really the liked. corners is crazy good man. video is really really cute too it's uh i haven't seen i don't think i've seen i think i've only seen the freak scene it's the only music we do that yeah. i've ever seen i love how crazy, i love how that one opens up with the dude getting his head shaved it's pretty yeah, funny i don't know i i'm not i'm not super crazy about music videos like i don't think you they're don't necessary seem like, yeah. like i know it's eddie vetter i know he hated making music videos mm-hmm. for 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 pearl jam songs like i do like and you know you can definitely see like when you watch jeremy the music videos as depressing as the song is, in fact, right. not even more so. So I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of song. Dinosaur music videos are nice because, like, like I was talking about the skate videos. It's just like watching a skate video. It's very sporadic. It's very like, um, you know, it, it transitions really well. They're they're very well directed, very well made mm-hmm. music videos. But anyway, that's kind of getting off track. Um, as I listened back to the discography for this episode, I realized how much. I loved I Bet on Sky, specifically mm-hmm. the track, um, What Was That? I don't know if you remember that one very well, but... The, oh, that one was good, the too. The intro oh, for I, that. See, see, you shouldn't... I, 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 as much as I say it, as much as you, when you say a song title, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. No, I can definitely see where it's like, especially with Dino, remembering songs is really hard because they, like, they all sound like just writing things, like Jay just writing, like taking a... a three words from the lyrics and then putting them as the song title you know it, there's not a lot of uh 
not a lot of creativity when it comes to song titles or lyrics for that matter. But you know, again, Dinosaur is not a uh, not a lyrical band. It's all instrumental. That's what you got to pay attention to. Lyrical, spiritual, <laughs> Jay Mascus. Thank you. All right, last and, album, and then uh, then we'll wrap it up. All right, you want me to start? Want me to yeah, go with this go one? Go for it. Okay. Um, so this is another one I was familiar with simply because it was kind of the new one. So, like when I was. Oh, when I, I don't think it would have been 2011. Would, I don't know when. I, I didn't really start to get really into music until I was in, like, eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was even listening to, like, alternative rock like this, or even, like, before punk music, like, it, it would have already been passed, like, Bet on Sky. So this is, like, this is, like, the first album, like, that was released during the time when I was a music fan. So it's, it's obviously one I was familiar with. And, um, I mean, yeah, again, this is... And maybe because I'm biased in that sense, but I don't know. For me, when I was listening to this, this is my favorite... Um, Reunion album. Uh, reunion album. Yeah, it was. It really was. And you know, probably, probably up there. I probably put it up there with one of my favorite favorites from them. Like, like, and then you know, like, I'm, like I mentioned previously with I Bet on Sky with the opener. It's like, okay, it's kind of called the mellow. Mm-hmm. They kind of went, you know what? Fuck that. We're gonna start with Going Down, which is just yeah. a fucking just slobber knocker. It was great. I love a it. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. Wait, what is that? <laughs> a slobber knocker. That was that, that's the word that came to my head. One, one it, that knocks a slob. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah, going down is it, it is great. It's a great song. I Tiny is also great yeah. too. Um knocked around. It's like as much as it doesn't stay in the acoustic part for too long and it goes in like it's like oh it's like that's just like dino. That sounds like mm. something Jay. Like a loud Jay. soft dynamic that yeah, was big in the um, I told everyone it's great too, but honestly, my favorite one on here was a Lou song, um, "Love Is." Honestly, of all the Lou, maybe except maybe don't. Mm-hmm. This is probably my favorite Lou song. Mm. But uh, granted, though, it was really hard. I, I, I was having. I remember I texted you about this um, when I was first listening to this. Like, I like the first two albums. It's really hard to like distinguish. For me, maybe I'm just shitty, but like, <laughs> I think it's hard for me to distinguish between when it's a Lou song. Sometimes it's Jay. Sometimes it's very obvious. When it's when it's Jay, it's very obvious when it's Jay. But it's mm-hmm. like. And it's like, this could be Lou, this could be Jay, I'm not sure. Like, uh, reunion stuff, it's like immediately when the vocals come in, it's like, okay, that this is this is a Lou song. Right. But they, Lou actually has two tracks on there. He also yeah. has Left Right, which is, I prefer that one over Love Is, because in that track, and I saw them do this when they performed it live, Lou plays guitar on this one, and Jay plays bass. On, on Left Right? On Left Right, yeah. Is that why it's called Left Right? Because Dude. You just blew my mind right there. That <laughs> they could they be switched it. positions. The guitar went to the right and the bass lent to the or however yeah. it works out. I don't know. You never know. But yeah, it's it's very interesting. I love that one. And then like you got tracks like I Walk from Miles. Oh. That's that's that reminds me of like Sludge Feast, man. But that is like when I was listening to this, this is a classic J Mascus. Mm-hmm. It really is. Uh I, I don't know why. I, I think love is it's just kind of it, it just some something it's it's a sad it's a sad song, but it's not like if, if people, if, I don't know how many people think Dinosaur Jr. is very whiny, probably because of Jay Mascus's vocals. But I don't really necessarily think that. But like when I hear that song, it's like, okay, this is, this is like got the classic dino emotions mm-hmm. in here. But as it was really, but it's it, a different take. But it's a, it's a different take because of his vocals on there. And just that chorus and it's just the way he sings. This is comforting almost in its sadness. So yeah. that's why I, I think I really gravitate towards that one. Yeah. And um, I, I honestly, and I, and I say this with the utmost sincerity, I would be okay if give a glimpse of what you're not is the final dino record. Hmm. Um, and that's coming from a longtime fan. Like while I do want them to make stuff in 2020 and like Lou kind of mentioned that on one interview one time that I listened to, but like if give a glimpse is all, is, is that it? Like that's the wrap up kind of bringing everything back together, 
throwing some elements from various albums all in just like this great merriment of like classic dino sound i'll be all right with it you know i'm okay with that i'm okay with uh, my band going down with this album have you ever listened to this print no okay do it i will <laughs> okay <laughs> did you just say i won't i i, I no i will i mm. i i've just i'm really bad about reunion stuff because i usually okay. just I have PTSD from Smashing Pumpkins still. I know I've mentioned that, but it's just... I saw, I saw them on the reunion stuff. tour. Was, like, like, just recently? Oh, yeah. Like, so, um, like, like they played for three hours, and he dressed like Pope yeah. Benedict, Exactly, right? exactly. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, when did they reunionize? Okay, and so... When, they broke and, who up. and who reunionized? I always forget this. Okay, so they broke up in, like, 2000 after Machina, mm. and... I, I like love Machina. Machina. It's she underrated. Like everyone's well, like, like Siamese Dream is the best. No, Melancholy and Machina. Yes. Those are the I'm best. God. I'm sorry. Sometimes it's Machina so and good, Melancholy but... are, are my favorites. I love Melancholy. I'm I sorry. love Melancholy. That that mm. is like one of the best albums of the '90s, hands down. But yeah, so they broke up in 2000, reformed in like 2006 or seven ish. With they had they, had, they had Billy and uh, uh, Jimmy, the drummer, and then they Jim had Chamberlain. yeah. yeah. Um, James wasn't brought in again. Uh, I don't believe Darcy was on bass. It was just the two of them mm -hmm. uh, with Zeitgeist, yeah. which was mixed but, record. Yeah. I think the I think the first five songs of that album are like top tier, good. Mm -hmm. Then it just it falls off, yeah. and they haven't recovered since. But yeah. that new album, trash, straight up garbage, <laughs> yeah, horrible. I would I would be with you. Billy solo stuff, horrible. Zwan, pretty good. I saw them play live and it was it was a good show. It was I'm jealous. It was great. They they played all the classics. They played everything I wanted them to play and they played it well. And that's all I could ask for. Okay, so I, I told Andrew this the other day. My girlfriend surprised me with tickets for my birthday to go see the Pixies and Weezer. I saw that on Facebook. I've seen that exact show before last year. Oh really? Over the summer, yep. Okay. Cause I am getting really nervous now because she's a big Pixies fan and I'm a big Weezer fan. And she's gonna have a good time regardless. Yeah. I could have a really good time or a really right, bad dude. time with Weezer gonna, live. Uh, yeah, Here, here's how I'm going to break it to you. I, I saw that show, the exact lineup. Um, do they have the Wombats opening for Pixies? I, I don't know who the openers okay. are yet. Anyway, the, the Pixies could have been a lot better. <laughs> and that sucks because I, 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 I went to see the Pixies. Um, they could have been a lot better. Um, I feel like the Pixies, like you ever seen their Tiny Desk show? Yes. It's so good. Yeah. Like, if they stuck to just, like, being, like, mellowing out every single one of their songs, I would love the Pixies currently, but trying, like, having um the new girl um on on uh, on bass, uh, she's she's not Kim Deal. It sucks. But uh, Weezer, Weezer stole the show. They, it, where are you seeing them? Oh, I, I can't remember the exact location. I believe it's, like, the Detroit area. But okay. I just, I'm praying... I'm praying that I at least get a set list that is half, half good material. They they will not play the bad shit. Well, I, I would hope they wouldn't pick from Ratitude. Uh, like 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 I, I know obviously they're not gonna rip out a bunch of Ratitude well, like you do deep realize cuts. They're gonna play that, covers too. But see, yeah, and like that's, that, that, that's that, that, yeah, because no, oh what's boy. what's unfortunate is that I'm going to go see Weezer in Steel 2019. Album. It is full. Like I'm probably gonna get some teal. I'm gonna get some. You're gonna get blue. You're gonna get uh. You're gonna get Island in the Sun. And you're going to get uh, maybe three or four softs. And I'm not going to get keep fishing. No, and it sucks. It, you definitely. It really nothing, sucks. Nothing from Maladroit probably won't be played. I would imagine. Oh, well. but they, either way, when I saw them, they covered the first the riff of Paranoid. They covered. Um, Hell yeah. They covered uh, obviously uh, 
Less Rands down in Africa. They cover it. <laughs> Fuck that. Uh, that cover. Me, me, me. I hate. They cover I take was on okay me. with the original before. I hate both versions now. Me, me, me and my fiance are looking forward for that because we're just like, if they play that live, at least they're, I can. They're, they're, and they're going to. At least I can witness the meme of Rivers doing that song live in front of me. Oh, you. you I, 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 and he, I'm praying he plays across the sea. Okay. That that's my big Th- dream. This will be the best part if they replicate exactly what they did for my show. The best part of it is when they play Island on the Sun. Island in the Sun. I'm not going to tell you what happens, but you're going to love it. I guarantee. You. I just need it. to see Rivers sing about an 18 year old Japanese girl in front of me. <laughs> that's all. That's all. Okay. That's all I'm hoping. Right. Uh, hopefully, you learned something about this band. Um, recognize them as more than just a one hit wonder. With um, with uh, feel the pain. You feel the pain because they're certainly not. They're a big part of my life. A big part of high school for me. They kind of got me through high school, and that's a really fanboy thing to say. But uh. I don't know. They're they're definitely not more than meets the eye, or they definitely are more than meets the eye. And um, I hope you learned a bit about me and my music tastes. And yeah, go go check Dinosaur Junior out. And Dinosaur Junior is going to be my recommendation for today. So I'm cheating. Recommend- I'm cheating. Dude, you are cheating. No. Go ahead, Brent, because I I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, with recommendations. Okay, for recommendations, I was thinking about something that would kind of be, uh, somewhat related to what we talked about today. That wouldn't be Dinosaur Junior. Mm-hmm. And since I mentioned earlier, I'm going to go see the Pixies and Weezer earlier. I want to mention a great uh, 90s rock outfit that I'm sure maybe not some people aren't fully aware of, but I think are very highly influential Mm -hmm. rocket ship. I showed I showed Andrew when he came over to my apartment not Mm -hmm. too long ago, some rocket ship, and he liked it. Uh, I remember exactly what it was. uh, They were that twee band I showed you. Oh, that had the nice organs in it. I'm going to recommend rocket ship. I love you the way I used to. great 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 beautiful song ethereal sweet um honestly like listening to this it's almost surprising it came out in 1996 it really is and i feel like it's a uh an approach to like rock music i mean you could probably say indie rock music that is still to this day constantly uh ripped from and borrowed from and maybe people aren't aware that you know rocket ship were, were a band that i think is really important for kind of establishing like a really sweet twee vulnerable song uh sound within you know underground rock music that you know the get up kids from uh teen suicide have ripped off mm-hmm. quite literally ripped off in teen suicide's case but yeah rocket ship cool that sounds neat what do you got Andrew? all right I, I i literally just went into like the playlist i made for you just to try to find something okay and I'm, I, I play pull out the one that you said you didn't like oh great what robert, was it the uh robert j hunter I yeah, yeah so so, so Robert J. Hunter is kind of a blues guy, modern blues guy. Um, I think he started off just doing like acoustic blues stuff, 
and um, his first what was his first EP? I was Blistering Soul, which is where I recommend people start off. That was in 2014. He's got a particular way of singing, very loud and soulful and rough, and it's kind of like a. Vi- I I could see why some people might argue it's a very over exaggerated blues vocal performance. I could definitely argue that, but I think it is. I don't know why I, I don't know why Michael didn't particularly like it, but when I was when I hear that voice, at least on the song "Hurricane," which is the one I'm going to rec- everyone recommend everyone to listen to, it it's I would argue it's very powerful. It has just so much soul and just aggression, almost in a sense, with the with the performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just like I remember I first heard that I was like my jaw almost dropped at this vocal performance. I don't know why. I just I love it. And uh, now I think he's doing more like electric stuff. Like his latest release was a live album. It's called Say What. It's fine. It's got an electric version of Hurricane. It's not as good as the acoustic version. Mm. But yeah, I mean, that's what I recommend. I, 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 I'm a sucker for electric blues. going on next week andrew um so uh that's like how michael's been very patient with uh doing dinosaur junior prince been very patient with wanting to do black metal a, a genre that i have no admittedly, f- I, same i have no familiarity no, not even that i i have well i will admit has kind of been somewhat purposely neglected it i have well, i have respect for it it is just something i just Vocally, didn't not sure if I can get behind, but I, I can't say that I'm not excited to uh, dive in and see what a genre has to offer. At the very least, just show Michael some merciful fate. So I mean, yeah, I'm excited as well. I'm gonna, definitely going to be doing a lot of homework this week for you, Brent. But I'm I am updating the playlist. Okay, so make sure I'll send you send it to, over to you. Peek it. All right, all right, and then uh, your last recommendation. It's Dinosaur Junior. Yeah, what song? Oh, all of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's cheating. That is so cheating. cheating. I, I swear to God, he's cheated on every you know recommendation. Because I can't, so far. I can't think of one. Oh, Go listen to Earth Crisis Destroy the Machines. Classic. We should have talked about it during New York Hardcore, but we didn't. I was going to throw that in there. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I like Dinosaur Jr. a lot, too. I'm surprised this episode didn't go on longer. I will certainly give Michael some uh, some hit, props we hit, for We hit two hours. So, yeah. So, I, I will. That's, that's, some, that's some constraint that Michael showed here that, honestly, I don't know if I would have been able to, to keep awesome. it. When we, when we do a bad religion one. Oh, ten that, hours. Yes. Ten hours. <laughs> we, we, we're going. Soon to be all 17 albums. Full discography dive in. We're gonna. It's. I'm. I'm. I'm holding it in the tank though. I, I'm. I'm not gonna blow it on some random early episode on there. I'm gonna. I'm gonna save that for a special occasion. Upload it to SoundCloud, but nowhere else, Brent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Fuck you. Anyway. The kids are alt right. <laughs>
I, for the record, I don't, I don't like that song either. All I right, really don't. goodbye everyone. We'll goodbye. see you next week. Wow!